Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. It's the second day of Rosh Hashanah, but I think it still counts. We have like this, we come together, right? Alex, how are you, man? Yeah, doing great. Uh, Happy New Year to you and to, to your family and your listeners yeah i i also probably should have clarified that i was going to yell that at you because this show we're recording <laughs> on the first day of but will air on the second day of. but whatever. it's night here it counts yeah that's right it's night where you are it's not quite <laughs> night where i'm at now but uh the great alex rickling on the show at rickling on twitter if you want to go follow him uh and this is of course part of our this is easily my favorite time of year because this is like the two weeks where i force myself to make time to talk to other human beings on the pod. And it's so nice. And then the season starts. I'm just like, I can't, I can't schedule it. It's too much. I can't balance it all in my head. So I get it all done right now. But how have you been, man? How's the last like almost year been for you? I mean, had a kid um, and Eventful. didn't totally lose track of the rest of life. So, you know, doing great. That's actually a colossal win. And anybody that has youths in their home knows exactly what I mean. And anybody that doesn't, run for the hills! No, you're hanging. That's <laughs> good that you're hanging in there. You guys are getting a little bit of sleep, you were telling me, uh, before we before I hit the record button. And that will fluctuate. There's that, there's like a kind of a sinusoidal wave to the will you get sleep thing, because they go in and out of all sorts of stuff. And I'm sure that people with kids older than me will say, yep, that's pretty much what it is. And then all of a sudden they go to bed at like 3 in the morning, and it's a very different problem. Uh, that you're having but let's talk about your uh industry mock team which was actually kind of fun you had the ninth pick you ended up with a lot of guys that i like a lot which i feel like that happens annually you got a couple guys in there yep. where i'm gonna where i'm gonna hit you with some questions on it a couple of hard balls but there's actually i i i'm gonna have to probably deep dig in deep here for my devil's advocate because i do like a lot of the players you have and they're guys that are on a bunch of my lists. And so um, whatever mean things I say, it's probably going to be me just sort of pretending to be someone else just to like make you answer a question. (laughs) But uh, if you're ready, we can dive on in. Sounds great. Delightful. Ninth pick. You had Jason Tatum. Again, I I'm going to have to sort of fake it to sound like I'm upset with this one. Um, He fell to you most likely because, Halliburton went very early and Dame went pretty darn early. And then Luca and Giannis always go a little earlier than they should in Roto, but um, that's sort of built in here. I'm guessing you didn't think he would make it to you at nine and he barely did by the skin of your teeth. He probably would have gone at this spot, no matter who was drafting there. I'm thinking. Yeah. I, I, I honestly think it's probably more interesting to talk about Halliburton who I actually think was a reasonable pick at five. You can um, if you want, by then, the way, because Knauss is probably not doing the pod this year. I know he said he, he's yeah. going to do some written stuff, um, but if you'd like to, go ahead. Doors open. Sure. I just, I mean, Tatum, if you can get Jason Tatum at nine, do it. This is an easy click. There, we're done. Um, Halliburton, yep. I, I think I think he's totally reasonable in that five to ten range. Personally, I have him a little bit lower. I have him seven or eight, but um, there were you and a couple of other people were sort of mocking that pick, and I thought it was totally fine. Um He's 22. He is going to be the face of this franchise. Um, he has shown pretty steady growth. His usage rate is probably going to be off the charts. And he was uh, 18th um, in after the all after the trade um, in Roto, 
So uh, in, you know, 18th overall in, in ranks. So I think it's reasonable to factor in some amount of improvement in addition to factoring in some improvement, you add a little bit of minutes and usage. And I think getting him into the five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten range is a hundred percent reasonable. Uh, that, by the way, again, we're talking about Halliburton there because your first round pick Tatum at nine was so, uh, very obvious easy and, and boring. Yeah, yeah. Super easy. So, uh, the, the only other show we've done with an analyst so far was, um, yesterday's pod with Steve who had the first overall pick and we pretty much just jumped over that one also. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but th- I'm, I'm going to make, should have. yeah, I'll make some people defend their first round picks. I'll get there eventually. It's just uh, apparently not in the cards for the first few shows here. Uh, second round pick. This one's a little bit more interesting. Again, not particularly controversial, but at least there are things you had to kind of weigh in your head to go this direction. And that was Anthony Davis with the fourth pick of the second round. I believe that would be 16 if I'm doing my math right here. Um, And it's hard to see him falling much farther than that because he's a guy that can just sort of waltz into top 10 per game production, even with a broken free throw stroke. But of course, I I shudder to use the word broken when I talk about anything related to Anthony Davis Mm -hmm. He is a colossal I, injury risk. I, I mean, walk into top 10 is underselling it. Yeah. This is the second best fantasy producer this millennium um, after only Kevin Durant. Um, he, he's an absolute fantasy machine. Injuries are the only issue. And when you're going against tough competition, especially when you're going against competition, you got you to gotta shoot for upside. And if I can get even just 55 games out of Anthony Davis, the floor is top 10 production. The ceiling is top three. Um, I, I, I think that at this spot, especially in a league where you have a lot of respect for your opponents, this is a, a sort of easy pick. Um, I get it. If you, I, Some of your listeners are going to be in leagues where they think they're better than most of their opponents and they're probably right um and if that's the case <laughs> look you, you know when you're better than your opponents yeah. at this stuff um if that's the case maybe you don't have to take a risk on someone like anthony davis or kyrie irving and you can go for fred van Vliet who went right after um or, or some 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 of these people who are have less injury history and less there, of a there are many by the way i don't mean to cut you off but like if you look at the next chunk of picks after you mm-hmm. it's even Van Vliet has the bulky knee. There were reports during yeah. media day that they want to try to get his minutes a little lower. You know, believe that when we see it from anything in Toronto. But LeBron yeah. after that, Kawhi went after that. Paul George at the end of the round, Jimmy Butler at the beginning of the third. There's plenty of guys in here that have that same issue. But, yep. I mean, how many of them? Well, I guess LeBron was, what, top five per game last year. Kawhi could be yeah. kind of that same thing. So, uh, you know, Maybe I'll change my question and say, was there anyone else you were considering at this spot before going the AD direction? Uh, yes, Fred Van Vliet. Oh, okay, uh, who, so there you go. <laughs> who happened to go next? Who happened to go with the next pick? Um, a, a teeny little bit of flirting with the idea of DeJounte Murray, but I thought it was just a little too early, a little too... I would have been giving up a little too much value to do that. Yeah. Um, Fred Van Vliet was the only other player I seriously considered. Um, I like it. But I... Yeah. yeah, I mean, I like Anthony Davis there. I'm not, like, trying to give you a hard time. And you just – there's very few times that you can click a player in the second round and say, oh, this guy's been the number one fantasy player before. Um, and he's kind of like the only one times. of those. Yeah. Not just once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
uh, those guys do do not grow on trees. And so if you have an opportunity on it, hey, I mean, what if he comes into this year and his free throw yips are fixed? Boom. Yeah. You know, top two guy. And all he has to do is play 55 games in a, in a games cap league and he crushes that spot. So, um, yeah. yeah, I don't really have a problem with it. I, I just know that it's something folks are going to be struggling with. Can they ex- get the right number of games and a head to head versus Roto. That's probably a little bit of a, a factor you have to consider as well. Would you still have gone AD if it was head to head where games played are a little bit more important or maybe a lot of bit more important folks picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter. And suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Ooh, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits Then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area. Find the best deals on game day drinks and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. So I would have gone... Head-to-head versus Roto for someone with this kind of floor seal with this kind of ceiling uh, doesn't really change my opinion much. Okay. Um, what changes my opinion is, and, and this is one of my things that I've been sort of harping on over the last like year or two, is people play fantasy for different goals. You know, when I'm in a fantasy football league with my friends, my goal is just to be respectable. If I win the league, great. But if I don't make the playoffs, my friends are, are going to rip me to shreds because I work <laughs> in the industry and, and I didn't make the playoffs. And so my goal isn't championship. Championship is a bonus. In that case, I might be more willing to go towards someone like Brent Van Fleet with, with a little bit of that safer floor. Um, whereas if you're in a high dollar league, the point is to win. Or if you don't know the people you're with, the point is to win. In those cases, I'm going to go with Anthony Davis head-to-head or uh, Roto. doesn't matter. I don't know if we have a lot to say about the third-round pick. You went Demonis Sabonis, ninth pick in the third round. I'm very quickly going to lose track of numbers, but I think that's 33. Um, There's there's sort of no reason to not do it. I mean, are you, like, super excited about Sabonis, or was this a spot where you were like, well, this guy probably shouldn't be here right here? Yeah, pretty much. Um, (laughs) My my comments are on him is more grand scale, which is if you look at the third round in general, uh, Rudy Gobert, Bam Adebayo, DeAndre Ayton, um, Robert Williams before the right. um, most recent update, De- Sabonis, uh, Mobley went two picks after me. A ton of centers who are likely to finish in the top 20, top 25 by per game rank ranks all went in the in the third round, which means they were going after pick 25, um, which given that there's, there's often a scarcity problem at center. I think that's really interesting thing to point out from a team building perspective, but yes, yeah, Sabonis at 33, that's sort of, again, it's kind of a, if the board's going to give me that, I'm going to take it. 
You had Middleton as the fourth pick in the fourth round. This was before uh, the news that he might be a little delayed coming into the season. Would you still consider him there, or would you push him farther down the board now? Yes, I would still consider him there. He's a, a, a no-brainer fourth-round pick to me. Um, Chris Middleton hasn't finished lower than top 40 in his life, has he? I, I mean, he's just an absolute machine. Yeah, it stinks when someone's going to miss in the games, but it sounds like it's only going to be a week or two. You hope that that's real. Um, yeah, but... I mean, you could, you could also make the argument to just kind of wait on more information here. I'm sure most folks are doing their drafts, what, within seven, ten days of the season starting, and we should probably know more yeah. by then. Hopefully, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I hope. Yeah, hope. I mean, hopefully that's exactly right. But um, Middleton has dropped to the fourth round in every league I've been in, and... I've taken him in almost all of them. Yeah. Uh, he's. Well, I mean, you know, you're preaching. He doesn't to the do choir. worse than that. Yeah. He, he doesn't do worse than that. Just take the value that's there. You don't, I can, I can win with my second round pick and I can just like build that, build that solid foundational floor with Middleton. Yeah. He's an easy base hit in the fourth round, yeah. uh, provided he is healthy enough coming towards the season. It's hard to make that call right now. Cause we're still a uh, little under a month out. Um, but you're preaching. I mean, he's been a Dan Vespers old man squad honorary oh, member yeah. for a very long time. Uh, John Collins, late fifth. Uh, that seems to be about where he's going in most drafts. And he's a guy that typically on a per game basis does beat that by a little bit. Uh, yeah. I don't see a ton of reasons why he wouldn't. Um, you know, DeJounte Murray being in town, could that impact rebounding in any way? I don't know. I mean, he's just, he's a percentages guy, which is great for Roto. He's a guy I've actually ended up, when I'm drafting late in the fifth, he seems to end up on a lot of my mock teams as well because he's super boring. I mean, he, he and Middleton, you could just throw him into the same bucket, really. Yep, and again, to, to talk on the sort of center scarcity thing, um, I do think we're getting towards a teardrop in available centers. Uh, I think I see an, I personally see a noticeable difference between Collins and Jonas Valanciunas with um, Zion coming back yep. and other than Jonas, there's not really anyone else left at center position of that tier. Um, last year, Jonas was in sort of a similar tier, but I think he's going to fall a little. Um, so locking down a little bit of that added, um, added strength at a scarce position. I was very happy about. And the other thing that I like about Collins which goes with Sabonis and goes with Anthony Davis is, and and this is also going to go with a pick that uh, Jonas sniped from me later in the draft. Uh, I love centers <laughs> who get assists, and Collins does that. Yeah, well, don't worry, we'll get to that one. We'll get to the eighth round battle. Well, you already you you picked a fight with Jonas Nader with I your warned seventh him. round. <laughs> I I warned him. There was a there was a Twitter thread with the people in this chat, and after. So Jonas was picking right after me. And so he went. Um, so after my Collins pick, I sent out a message to the thread being like, you're welcome, Jonas. And if that's not waving a bright red flag that I'm seriously considering Jaron Jackson here, I don't know what is. He lasted another 24 picks. I'm not going to let him keep going. <laughs> so that was <laughs> your seventh. I, yep. I warned him. I gave him his chance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he um he did not heed your warning. By the way, you had Ben Simmons in the sixth and JJJ in the seventh. I feel like there's something right. we need to say about both of those. Yeah. This, this is a pick that tells me you think Simmons is uh, reliable enough 
this coming season. I'm a little skeptical. This is one where I'm like, I don't know if this dude, and I don't want to make this a thing. I don't want this to be a thing on the podcast, but I just like from everything we've seen with this dude, uh, something could go wrong pretty easily, it seems. I mean, I know the vibe is pretty good right now in Brooklyn. Everybody's back. You know, everybody's smiling. Pictures are being taken, high fives and whatnot, but it does seem like things could derail pretty quickly for Ben. Uh, and and you went with it anyway, so defend thyself. I've been pretty empathetic to Simmons' side of this whole thing. I, I'm not going to sit. I, please don't misunderstand this as saying I think he handled anything well. That's not <laughs> what I'm trying to say. I, But I've been very empathetic to the idea of like why he was upset with the Sixers and I, and feel, I felt like it was fair. I felt like him being upset, him feeling like those bridges were burned, him feeling like whatever steps they were taking to try to reconcile were not enough. And he wasn't comfortable going back there and he wasn't comfortable going back and playing with Doc and Embiid. I, I was very, I not everyone agrees with me. That's fine. I personally thought, yeah, this is reasonable. I'm not saying how he handled it once he got to that point is, but, but to me, it's a whole nother year. We, he, he's not in that situation that was probably pretty toxic for him at that, but at least by the end, um, you know, there is this weird back injury thing, but also there is a high correlation with that kind of back injury and stress. And what's more stressful than a year of being in the limelight and getting, ridiculed by people for people accusing you of having made up mental health issues and you know maybe making your debut for a new team in the playoffs like that's stressful so the idea that that led to some back pain again strikes me as reasonable and we're not hearing about any injuries and we're talking about a guy who's a top 20 player and especially he's even I think he's even better than that. It's been a while since I looked um, since, since <laughs> yeah, I like, since, re-looked at the numbers since he but played. When you, yeah, true. Um, but if you when if you're really strong in free throws or punting free throws, he is, um, you know, I think he's even better than 20 than top 20. Um, so, again, I saw this as a, a real ceiling play. Um, and, you know, sometimes sixth-round picks don't work out. Um, but if if my sixth-round pick doesn't work out, I'm not exactly sunk. And the upside is a really, really good player. And also relevant, I had focused on wings and bigs. I didn't have a point guard, and Simmons was by far the best passing point guard still available uh, at this point. Hmm. So both from, a, both from a floor-ceiling perspective – but also from a, my team needs assists, my team needs a point guard, there's no one else anywhere near this caliber left. Um, to me, I actually didn't hesitate on this one very much. Mm, yeah, I actually didn't notice that you were point guardless at that point. Um, interestingly, Steve, who we talked to yesterday, didn't have anybody that was point guard eligible until his ninth round pick. Uh, oh, wow. So that, there... Uh, well, and Jonas, that, and even the ninth round is Her- is is Tyler Hero. Yeah, who's not really a point guard, but he has Jokic. Mm-hmm. So that you know, it's that sort of team building thing. Um, JJJ, who uh, you know, good reports coming out of media day. This is an, another very much believe it when I'll see it kind of moment uh, oh, on yeah. that one. Um, but do you think he's back at some point in late November, early December? You're you're banking on that? 
I don't know. I have less confidence in him than I do Simmons or Anthony Davis. Um, <laughs> Let's finally, <laughs> you're honest. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it, it's a ceiling play. We're talking, we're getting close to what's this? Um, yeah, I lost We're getting around pick 80 something. Like, we're getting clo- into these picks where if you can get a top 40 player that's season changing, and if you get someone who ends up on the waiver wire, you, you can survive. Um, yeah. So, um no i don't trust him more than i can throw him and he's a lot bigger than me i probably couldn't throw him very far um he, he's a big but, he's a big fella uh, but, but if, if he plays he's really good Hope, hopefully he plays you might have noticed we did something a little bit different today and jumped straight into the interview no introductions of any kind literally just piling face first into a podcast and i don't know did you guys like it we could do that more often, I guess. Uh, it's a bit unorthodox, but it works. Uh, more coming with Alex Rickling here in just a moment. I wanted to quickly say hi to everyone. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a sports ethos presentation. Uh, it's Tuesday, September the 22nd. I think that's off-season episode number 122. I still am not entirely certain and have mostly lost track because my brain has turned to a warm soup. But... I do thank you all for listening, as always, all off-season long. Most important thing I'm going to tell you today, the Brewski 150. Coming in a matter of hours. In fact, by the time you listen to this podcast, it might even be out already. The moment this show drops, it probably won't be. But by the time you listen, it actually might be. We're within a matter of hours. Brew is putting the finishing touches on just the description field. So the order is set. The list is ready. We're just we're just painting in the lines a little bit right now. Oh, yes. And it is unquestionably the best dollar you will spend this fantasy season. It goes into the Ethos 360 package first. Old school bundle members get it in five days. Fantasy Pass gets it in ten. So if you have a draft coming up soon... If you just want to stock your your cabinet before anybody else has an opportunity to, the Brewski 150 in the Ethos 360 package is the way to do it at Sports Ethos right now. Follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, or follow Ethos Fantasy BK for, uh, well, live tweets about everything going on in the NBA, but also rampant reminders that the B-150 is coming. The draft guide is part of it. Ethos 360, by the way, not only do you get the Brewski 150 first, you also get our wagering division. Uh, those guys have won like 20 units in the NFL in three weeks. So, yeah, you'd have paid for this thing for like three years over by now. Anyway, uh, you got to go do it. Now's the time. I know some of you have been waiting until the last possible minute to do it because it is a six-month membership. That makes sense. This is that last possible time where you can still be the first one to get access to the list that has destroyed lists for a decade and a half. And if you need reminders, well, last year, Tyrese Halliburton, DeJounte Murray, Terry Rozier, higher than any other list on the planet on those guys. And the best call, I think, honestly, maybe the best fantasy call of all time was in the B-150. It was the year Nikola Jokic was the backup to Yusuf Nurkic in Denver. Do you guys remember this? It feels like forever ago, but Brew had him as, I think, like a second rounder, and he got off to a slow start because he was a backup. 
when he's a little out of shape. And then dude rolled into a first-round valuation for the last four and a half months of the year. In fact, there was even a buy-low uh, recommendation like four weeks into the season. So people were getting Jokic for like sixth, seventh, eighth-round values, and he was a mid-first. I still think that might have been the best call of all time. So get to see the best calls of this year, including a bunch of names. He showed it to me. I've seen it. Sorry, guys. Can't tell you, though. You got to go get it. Um, it's going to blow your mind. It's going to blow your mind. At Dan Vespers on Twitter or just go to sportsethos.com. You can learn all about it there. Let's dive back into today's interview. Yeah, I'm always I'm always worried about taking those guys that are hurt, especially that where, the, where it can linger a little bit. But lucky for oh, yeah. you... Uh, the center that you were hoping would come back to you Aww. did not. Uh, sarcasm was built into the front end of that sentence. Jonas took Big Al from you in the eighth round, but I still actually like your eighth round pick. You got Gary Trent. Yeah. He's a guy whose ADP's been weirdly low, given how good he was last year in a role that kind of doesn't really change for him season over season. So guess what? I don't even think we really need to talk about this one unless you have something you want to add there. It just seems like a really nice, safe eighth round play can we just stamp it yeah pretty much again okay. positionally helpful um I, I think you know with with as we're seeing with my picks i'm almost alternating between just these super duper safe floor plays jason tatum demontis middleton assuming he's healthy john collins and these big swing ceiling plays anthony davis um ben simmons jaron jackson and then my next pick um malcolm brogdon who uh, you know i don't I, I only have one point guard i think he's probably gonna play but as you've pointed out anything could happen with ben simmons um malcolm brogdon's a huge injury risk but we're also talking about well after pick 100 now and he's a 40 50 90 guy who could do five assists and five rebounds, uh, probably going to play 25 plus minutes. Um, I, I think that that's a bit of a swing. Um, and, and so I, I, you know, I'm trying to go back and forth, which is something that I'm really going to try to do in a competitive league. Yeah. You kind of did a little bit of that even after broad and we can kind of roll some of these late ones together because there's no yep. real semblance of order to how, guys go off the board it's starting almost as early as like the eighth round these days uh brogdon in the ninth harrison barnes in the 10th john wall in the 11th and Jaden ivy in the 12th feel free to tell me about any or all of those guys i'll just open the floor to you here in one of the worst questions i've ever asked yeah. no yeah, direction yeah. at all it's just yours the show's yours I, for a few i mean you're probably the only person in the world who has drafted harrison barnes as frequently as i, as I have <laughs> I in the last couple of years i just I, <laughs> It's like he's just I don't I don't intend to, but then he's just there. He's just he's there and he's so reliable. And I'm taking these other swings around him. And it's like, fine. All right. We're at pick 120. If you're going to give me a top 90 guy. OK, I'll take him. Yeah, I actually agree um, with you there, by the way. And, and I want and then I'm going to again actually open the floor for real. But I just wanted to jump in. Like the the good vibe right now in Sacramento is probably what Barnes needed because he's started each of the last two seasons really well, and then it feels like his fade has coincided with the realization that his team still stunk. Uh, I don't think they're great, but I do think that they just sort of generally feel better about what's going yeah. on in Sacramento, and that could actually be a lot of that could make a oh, big yeah. difference. Absolutely, absolutely. 
Um, but yeah, sorry. I just wanted to throw in that no. little Barnes tidbit before yeah. you, again, for real this time, not going to interrupt, <laughs> have at it. So, and so, you know, so Harrison Barnes is just like this super safe pick and I put him in between Malcolm Brogdon, who is a really, really good player, but I've heard people say, I've heard people compare him to Michael Porter Jr. as the two worst um during the draft process, the two worst med- worst medical records that recruit that um scouts had ever seen, um, hmm. and, and his career has kind of played out that way. Um, John Wall, who you know, as we've talked about, I really loaded up at wing and, and center early, so I'm looking for some uh, some guard filler. John Wall, he's got the Al Horford year of rest that worked for him last year, and like he's not a, he's a good player like he he was a little injury diminished last time we saw him but i don't i don't think it's crazy to think that he can play 25 minutes in our average seven assists a game right like that's a pretty reasonable expectation um he, he might not hit it but I, I don't think that i'm being crazy and we're talking about what pick 125 now or something something um and later. then might have even been later uh yeah 11 yeah 129 11th round yeah i i mean so i another pick that i i've been getting a lot of late john wall um and then my for my last pick i took Jaden ivy who is not my favorite late round rookie to take but i needed a guard more than i needed a big um and I like, especially for your, I, I do it in almost all my drafts, but especially for, for your mock, I like to make sure to take a late round rookie so that I can talk about my, my so I can give my annual rookie spiel, which is. <laughs> all right. Well, I said I wouldn't interrupt, so go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's coming. Don't draft a rookie in the top 100. That's my guideline. If you want to draft a rookie in the 80 or 90 i'm not gonna like throw a fit about it but really please don't spend a high value pick on a rookie they always always underperform our hit rate on predicting which rookies are going to be the best for fantasy basketball is so 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 low um and like there will be a rookie who finishes in the top 70 but the odds that it's going to be the first, the one with the highest ADP, which this year is, um, who's the highest ADP this year? Goodness. Jabari? Uh, uh, among rookies? Is probably whatever. Whoever it is. No, it, is it Paolo? It's, Might be Paolo. Oh, yeah, you're right. It's going to be Paolo. I, like, I'm going to bet that the best performing fantasy rookie is not Paolo, and I'm going to make that bet every year, and I'm going to make money on that bet because more often than not, that's what happens. Um but the other part of that is rookies do make the jump from really late draft picks into the top 100. A couple do every year. Um, and so when you're using your late round lottery picks, your guys who are going to be waiver fodder, if they don't do something important quickly, why not take a, a rookie instead of, you know, who else went in this last round? Kelly Oubre, Jaden McDaniels. Kelly, um, Kelly Oubre. <laughs> <laughs> Steven Adams, Steven Adams is going to get dropped in a week. He just is like Jay Sean Tate was in the 11th round. I love Jay Sean Tate. 
He's a great pick in a deep league. In a in a normal standard league, what are you doing with Jay Sean Tate? What's his what's his ceiling? Is he really gonna be a top eighty player? I, so take a rookie, take someone unknown, take someone who could really, if all if all goes right, hit and and win your league. Um, so yeah, you know I agree with Pablo. you. You know I yeah, agree yeah. with that. I've done many shows on how much I I detest rookies. Although I did do a show in late April this last year where I said I need to soften my stance on rookie big men because they too they do tend to have just a little bit of an easier path. Field goal percent mm-hmm. not being a disaster, they can get defensive yep. stats and rebounds, things that it they don't have to be you don't have to be making great basketball decisions to sort of tumble into that stuff the way that a, a rookie point guard is always going to go through those massive growing pains. Um, and to your point, we actually had a few rookies that were decent enough last year, but mm-hmm. it typically wasn't the ones that were the first off the board. I think Mobley overperformed a little bit. There's this thought that Mobley was actually better fantasy-wise than he was last year. I don't want to take anything away. He's a really good young player, but he was number 81 in nine cat per game, which is like, Decent, but not yep. game changing. Scotty Barnes was, I think, the see the top one last year at sixty six. So, yeah. Uh, so that was a really I nice so. win. But like Cade, he finished right around where he was getting drafted. Oh. Um, and so Damn. yeah, like you know, like you were saying, grabbing these guys a hundred or later, that's perfectly reasonable. But these this era, and and I don't think it's happening as much anymore, where rookies are getting drafted at forty, fifty. We saw that a lot, even as recently as like three or four years ago. And I think people are finally starting to wise up. So maybe yours, uh, mine, are I collective think people, yelling. I think, I think it's going the other way. You think, think, you think people, they're getting earlier? I think people are. I think that, and I've heard other people, including people you and I have a ton of respect for who work in this industry. I don't want to like call anyone out. But I've heard people make the argument that the recruiting process, or not, I keep calling it recruiting. The scouting process is getting better. NBA mm. teams are getting smarter and analysts are getting smarter and the we're doing a better job of picking who's who's going to be the best fantasy player and teams are doing a better job of who are, are going to be the best actual player. And maybe NBA teams are getting a little bit better. I, I don't think fantasy fantasy player <laughs> fantasy analysts you might be right. Or the fantasy industry are actually getting better. So, um, well, we didn't I, get to I, see, but I think people are getting real confident taking that, taking Paolo or Chet if he were healthy. Yeah, that's the one that I think we're all missing out on. If Chet was healthy, that would have been the how high will he go, dude? And I don't, yeah. I don't know if it's going to hit these other guys quite the same way because he had that what, like five or six block summer league game, yeah. and everybody was like, "Yes, I'm going third round," and I was like, "Oh my god, this is, this is a lot to take in." And yeah. then, uh, and then he got hurt. And the rest of these guys are kind of bouncing around. Paolo between sixty and eighty-five or ninety. Keegan Murray has actually been moving up the board a little bit. Uh, and you know, I said yeah. I would soften my stance on rookie bigs. He's not a center, but he's bigger, right? Sort of a big wing it, type. Uh, I, I don't get me wrong. I really like picking Keegan. Mur- Keegan Murray is one of the players who I'll soften a little bit from top one hundred to like the eighties and nineties if he lasts that long. But as you're saying, some, some drafts he's going up, but I think his situation is such that if he's there for me in the, in my, whatever pick I have in the eighties, I will take Keegan Murray, hmm. which right, is around before I usually do a rookie who were, and I got to do the, the 
I hate to call them sleepers because for years I've tried to come up with another name, but at this point I give up. I'm too old and tired, so I'm just going to call them sleepers. Uh, who do you who do you like towards the end of this draft or any draft that maybe didn't get to your team? Um, so one player, well, we're talking about rookies and, and big rookies, one player who we didn't draft, but if we had gone a couple more rounds, I might have. Um, one of my favorite super late rookie t- targets is uh, Mark Williams uh, in Charlotte. Um, PJ Washington went in the eighth round, and I think that that's a really good value for him. His ceiling, he's, his ceiling isn't high enough that I'm comfortable. I, don't, I think sixth round is too early, but I think he probably should be a seventh rounder, and he's going in the mid to late eighth. Um, so I really, I really like um, where PJ Washington is going and, and the value he's getting. Um, get, get, let me, why don't you vamp for a sec while I take a look at this and see if anyone else jumps <laughs> out. Yeah, that's out. fair. I'll, I, I talk and is what I do. Uh, yeah, PJ <laughs> went to Adam Stock's team. That was round eight, pick seven. And it's funny that you mentioned uh, Mark Williams, and, and you can keep looking at the board. I'm not going to scare <laughs> you with a question here while you're, while you're gandering. Uh, it, he was actually the one, and I talked to two of our guys here at Ethos that follow the draft beforehand, and they were they basically tried to sell me on that very name. Um, and then of course the the Hornets hired Steve Clifford, and we all had to sort of readjust our boards to oh, so this is going to be a boring thing now. <laughs> uh, and then his his line today of like Mason Plumley is my starting center. It was like oh, cool. So that's that sounds great. Uh, and I get it, like you want to put the veteran in there, but this sapping all of the electricity out of whatever they might have going in that direction. Um, the late rounds, so, uh, and, and actually this is going to segue, uh, after you give me some names here, it's yeah. going to segue to one other thing that, that you and I had, like a, a Twitter, it wasn't an argument, it was like I was out of the house and I wrote something and I was like, crap, I need more characters, but I, it's not working. <laughs> um, so who did you find while I was right, yammering so, on Steve Clifford? So I don't... Uh, um. I, I know you don't follow uh, fantasy football, but uh, one of my favorite fantasy football podcasts, uh, Christopher Harris podcast, if anyone listens to that, um, he had, he talks about like, he does this annual swing players list. Um, you know, the idea being, I don't know if he's super undervalued or actually super overvalued, but he might really determine some leagues. Um, Jamal Murray went with the last pick in the seventh round. And if he is healthy, and all is good, that is a league-winning bargain. And also, he might not be healthy, and all might not be good, <laughs> and you could just have wasted a seventh-round pick on 10 games and, like, medium production for those 10 games. Um, so I think I think he's one of those sort of really big swing players. But if, if he's healthy and all, and all systems are go... Jamal Murray at the end of the seventh is a, an incredible bargain. Yeah, I, I like that one too. And I'm trying to, I'm wondering, I keep thinking it's going to move and it's not, he's not moving. He's like, his ADP yeah. has been locked in there. And maybe it's just because that's where Yahoo's had him plumped in their ridiculous X rank board, which yeah. d- yep. it leads into the ADP so very much. But like the oh, fact yeah. that we're seeing Michael Porter Jr. go multiple rounds before Jamal Murray seems crazy to me because i know mpj is like oh i you know i'm fully healthy that was the quote coming out of media day and i'm like i'll bet you are buddy uh 
because you tricked us all last year by yeah. nobody nobody said anything. And I was and then, super in on him, yeah. I think, yeah, a lot of us were. He seemed like a pretty good value. And then, you know, three days into the season, it was like, oh, by the way, my back is a disaster. I should have probably told you guys during training camp. <laughs> all right, cool, buddy. Um, okay, so the other thing that you and I were starting to discuss was yeah. this idea. I sent a tweet out that was like, things get things dry up pretty good after about pick 90 in really competitive leagues, and maybe you can kind of stretch it to pick 100. I think maybe if I had more characters there, I wouldn't backtrack on what I was saying. It's really more about like at that point, you get into a spot where you're you're choosing between, and it was funny because you were you actually talked about it a little bit while you were going through your own players, this idea of I'm now choosing between someone who is a big home run hack, like blindfolded swing a big club as hard as you can at it kind of swing, or like, oh, am I just going to take this little... Oh, good. They, I, I'm doing a lot of baseball metaphors on the pod lately. Oh, they've, they're employing the shift on me, huh? Okay, fair enough. I'm just going to take this change and I'm just going to like wait on it and poke it through the hole. Uh, that seems to be what is available after pick 90 in super competitive drafts or 100 in, in fairly competitive drafts. Are these guys where it's like, okay, well, you know, I don't, this player has a pretty good floor, but I don't really see them getting above about 95 or 100. Or here's this other guy. This is like I'm doing the bit of like, eh, what's behind door number two? This shiny right. object. Well, this guy, if everything goes great, he could be top 65, but 80 to 90% of the time, he's going to be outside the top 200. So when I was saying that things were kind of drying up, after that point, I think it's where you're, you're no longer able to find a guy with floor and a little bit of ceiling. It's floor or ceiling after 90 or 100. Does that align a little bit more I, with what you're looking at? A little bit, but I think... So you and I, I think, are kind of agreed that the top is a little bit deeper this year. Mm -hmm. it, it feels like the cliff doesn't hit until maybe like the end of the fifth round. Um, it, it, it's kind of fun for longer than usual this year. Um, but the cliff hits and it hits hard. Yeah. Um, oh, big one. And, and my, what I, my take has been that once you get to that cliff, I think people are making all kinds of weird decisions. And as a result, people are falling that shouldn't be falling. Um, so, you know, when you explain your point better, it's still, it, it, it's relatively true that, you know, it is hard to find someone with both a floor and a ceiling um, once you get past about 90. But at the same time, like, and Gary Trent has a floor and a ceiling. He was right before pick 90. Um, <laughs> winner. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Kyle, there's a, there's Kuzma a has a, Kyle Kuzma has a floor and a ceiling. Um, Colin Sexton kind of has a ceiling and he definitely has a floor. Um, it, you know, Andrew Wiggins. I could see Andrew. There's a world where Andrew Wiggins is a top 50 guy. And there are very few worlds where he's outside the top 110. Um, yeah, so I think there are a bunch of kind of attractive gordon hayward if he stays healthy he's a top 50 guy yeah um, I, I think this one for me probably was at kyle lowry and that was my ninth round pick where i was like the last yeah. one where i was like oh okay this is a guy who has floor and maybe if like pat riley yelled at him about his big butt maybe that sticks <laughs> and there's a little tiny bit of ceiling there i felt like it was after that pick that i was like okay now we're picking floor or ceiling and you went ceiling you went ceiling with brogdon and then you yeah. went floor with barnes and then kind of ceiling with wall and 
ceiling with Ivy. And I could almost do that for almost every single pick from that point on. I think that that's relatively fair. I just think that... 103? Is that what that would have been? Yeah. Ish. Um, I, I just think it's worth pointing out that, like, you can get guys in the ninth round who who really should be going in the eighth round because, you know, sorry to like name names to, um, you know, other people who don't you do it. We respect all these people. We, we enjoy everyone and we respect everyone in this draft. The opinions, the opinions about to be expressed are expressly and only Alex Wrigley do not represent those of fantasy NBA. None of the people drafting, I think are like hacks. They're all, they're all good at their job, but like, I don't know. Jalen Smith in the seventh seems kind of high. Um, Kevin Porter in the sixth seems kind of high to me. Uh, Nicholas Claxton in the seventh. Come on. What are you doing here? Uh, I'm making a point of only picking one person from, from, from each or, or well, less. I'm, kind not, of I'm making sure not to pick multiple people from the same spreading team. Spreading um, your shade around. You're just going to have more people yelling at you now. What are you doing? You just need to just pick uh, one. Pick on my team for God's sake. What are you doing? Um, I just, I think that there are a bunch of people who are going in the sixth and seventh round that really shouldn't be. Um, and as a result, I think that compared to what I would expect to get in the eighth and ninth round, I am pleased. Uh, so that doesn't undermine what you said, but it's, it's why I was sort of pushing back on you. Yes, we, uh, but we are closer now having yes. been able to uh, express full sentences <laughs> to, to get to it. And I had a feeling we would be, um, yeah. and you are now officially off the hot seat. I meant to pause in the middle to make sure folks knew who they were listening to, but I guess I can do it here at the end as well. Alex Rickling, one of my good buddies here, a fellow old manophile in many, many ways. Although I think last year or the year before you had a couple of younger players and you apologized. Uh, yeah. This year you went pretty old again, and um, I thank you for it. it uh, You're welcome. Yeah. Happy to do my part. Yeah, and you didn't even get Big Al. Your team could have even gotten older if you if he had fallen just one more pick. Uh, he's at, like 12 oh, sorry, years older than Gary Trent. <laughs> I know so much. And yet, I think I'm older than every single one of these guys now. And that, that hits a little harder. I think I'm feeling stressed and also have back pain. <laughs> you're, as you were saying it, I was like, my back does hurt right now. Uh, he is at Rickleen on Twitter. R-A-R-I-K-L-E-E-N. Follow him post-haste. And listen to us yell about how much we love old basketball players. Alex, thank you, as always, for taking the time on a holiday, no less, to join us on the pod. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. We'll talk soon.